Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. I don't like cooking. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I don't know. And why is it up to me? With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. If you want to talk to me, come to the room I'm in. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. I am literally enabling your good time. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we are talking about what is your mom Achilles heel? Yeah. Like the story was that Achilles mother dipped him in a river that was going to make him impervious, like he couldn't be harmed, but she had to hold him by something to dip him in the river. So she held him by his foot while she dipped him in, which meant his heel was the only thing that wasn't protected, was vulnerable. And then he got like, got an arrow to the heel and I guess died. <laughs> I don't know that part. Amy, like you, I love to do a lot of research. So I went to a little site called Wikipedia. Uh-huh. And I found this definition for the Achilles heel, which had an, an aspect to it that I had overlooked. Okay. An Achilles heel is a weakness in spite of overall strength, which can lead to downfall. While the mythological origin refers to a physical vulnerability, idiomatic references to other attributes or qualities that can lead to downfall or are common. Okay. And... I like the idea of it's a weakness in spite of overall strength. Me too. I like that part. You're like, you're a superhero, but there's just one thing. This is often sometimes referred to as your kryptonite, right? Yeah. It is, you're superhuman in all ways, but there are one or two things that can just break you entirely. Yeah. And like kryptonite is like more like, oh, I hate cilantro. That's my kryptonite. Like I hate it and I stay away from it. That's what I think of when I hear kryptonite. Like it's, but it destroys you. I mean, it kills Superman kryptonite. Yeah, it's true. It takes you all the way down. Your Achilles heel is your soft spot that you can be aware of. Amy, can I lead you off with one of my Achilles heels? Okay. Yeah. It's forgetting to do mailbag on every episode. (laughs) Sometimes we don't have a mailbag. Today we have a good one. All right. Because Amy told me before we started recording, let's do mailbag. And I was like, yes. And then I jump right in with all the definitions. But it's not too late. Let's do mailbag. No. All right. So Kendra wrote in. Kendra's a pediatrician who lives in Elkridge, Maryland. She's also a fan of the show. She says she's told lots of moms to listen. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you, Kendra. And all friends, please do the same. 
Yell at your friends. Tell them to listen. <laughs> We've gotten a bunch of feedback on our useless metrics for life episode. Like, well, but this one is kind of useful and that one is kind of useful. And yeah, we're as we said in the episode, these may or may not be useless metrics for life. If you care about your 10,000 steps, then follow them. So she wrote in to say specifically, we were talking about giant baby heads. Margaret is a <laughs> sufferer. <laughs> I am. And that there actually are a lot of giant baby heads in America. And it's my Achilles heel sometimes, my giant head. It's your giant head and how bad you feel about it. So Kendra said, I started listening to the episode about useless metrics and you guys mentioned growth charts, baby heads. If a baby has a significant acceleration in head size over a short period of time, that can be a sign of something serious, which is why we do those measurements. She says, so it's not that like your 95th percentile baby's head is going to be a problem, but it's a problem if it was like 75% the last time they saw the baby. Does that make sense? So I'm like, okay, I will take that note that a change in that over time is something to be concerned about, which is why they do it. Yes, but I will say that three out of three, I have three kids, three out of three of my kids' pediatricians sat me down and they were like, I have a concern. Your baby's head is growing abnormally large and fast. And I was like, that's just something we do in my family. That's just a clan quality that we have. And they were like, okay, we'll keep an eye on it. And I was like, I'm not concerned. It could have been something worse, but we have freakishly large heads. Listen, we talk some nonsense too. Like we're just here goofing on head size. Like, yes, is there a reason why you check your last period? There is. Is there a reason you check head size? Nobody's doing anything just to annoy us, but we're still annoyed by it. Both things can be true. <laughs> this is a safe space to be annoyed by the very trivial. It's a safe space. Indeed, indeed. All right. So back to Achilles heel. So you're defining this as a weakness amidst an overall strength that is a problem in your parenting? I do. I do. This was brought to mind by me. My kids must have been studying at school because they were like, Achilles' mom should have just thrown him in the tub and then picked him out later. And I'm like, yeah, it would have been as good a story, though, you know? <laughs> They're not wrong. He couldn't swim. He was baby Achilles. Yeah. They could have dunked him, though, like a baptism. But anyway, like we're saying, there's we don't have to hear every side to the story. The, <laughs> it's a story. <laughs> the kid had a bad heel. Yes. So we were talking about, like, what are the things... I know some of yours because we've discussed them. You don't like blood and you don't like injuries. Yes. But, you know, I can think of one that just occurred to me like two nights ago. So I spent a night away from my kids. I went to visit my parents because we can now. Wasn't that wonderful? So I was away from my family and I came home like the next evening and our house, it just looked like a tornado blew through, right? Like 1,100 pairs of shoes and papers and boxes and drinking glasses and just like, you know, it's clothes thrown on the floor and it's just, it's the evidence of what doesn't happen when I'm gone, which I should probably take and do something else with, right? But I was immediately like, okay, it's 10 p.m. I'll go to my bedroom. My bedroom was a disaster and some of my stuff too, to be clear. Some of my clothes thrown around before I left. My husband's in bed and I'm like picking up the clothes and organizing them in piles. I'm like, what are you doing? Let's just like do it tomorrow. I'm like, I can't. Like, I look at this amount of mess around me. I am sort of unsettled by it. Like, I have to make headway on it before I can relax. He's like, close your eyes. You won't see it. I'm like, but I know it's there. And like, I didn't, it wasn't like I was like swabbing the decks at midnight, but I can't have actual chaos around me. It makes me feel a little jittery. Yeah, I don't have that Achilles heel. Yeah, that's my Achilles heel because it is, I guess, an overall strength of mine that I'm extremely organized and I keep our house humming. And if I go away for a day, you can tell the difference. But there's a weakness. It's like, yeah, you can. He's not wrong that I can just go to bed and close my eyes and pick up the clothes on the floor tomorrow. That's a weakness of mine to not be unsettled by physical chaos. 
it's not chaos. You know what I mean? Like it isn't like the, yeah, there's no broken windows. It's just a pile of clothes everywhere. Yeah. And it's tricky because when you're the one person who cares about it, you can come off as the crazy person. Like right. we do a lot of, you know, family gatherings and family trips. And I know it's hard on the people who come from your end of the spectrum. Like we're playing cards. The dishes from breakfast aren't done. Like yeah. you're all just, you know, and the rest of us kind of get a little bit like chillax, dude, it's vacation. Right. And it ends up being kind of a mess, you know, like, and it's just that you've got people have very different set points on that thing. Right. And it's the good cop, bad cop thing that from my point of view, it's like in the are you the good parent or the bad parent in your home episode we did a couple of weeks ago. It really stuck with me, this idea of like the reason that my spouse could kick back and have a beer at the party is like because you're the one running around and chasing the kids and making sure they don't fall down the stairs. And then you get the like, relax, dude, like just have a good time. It's like the reason like I am literally enabling your good time to then have you turn around and tell me that I should relax. Now, there's a difference between a kid about to fall down the basement stairs, however, and some clothes on the floor that can wait for tomorrow. So that's why I'm saying it is a weakness of mine. I offered as my Achilles heel, although maybe it's too big to really be an Achilles heel. It's just meals, like constantly feeding people in my house is currently the thing I dislike the most about being part of a family. (laughs) And I don't enjoy cooking. I tried to for a while. My sister loves cooking. She loves finding recipes and cooking. But even she will say, like, it drives her crazy because then she goes away with the whole family. And people are like, oh, what are you making? I know you enjoy cooking. And she's like, I don't enjoy (laughs) catering. I enjoy, like, cooking delicious food. (laughs) And there is a difference. But I can produce fairly tasty food because I can follow a recipe. I get the basic idea of it. Right. Last night I made some nice chicken parm. Everybody loved it. But I'd rather not. Like if we could order pizza every single night, I would much rather do that. And I have started having three specific meals a week, one lunch and two dinners where I don't cook. And it's made my life much better. I mean, one of those nights is just pizza night because a pizza's whatever, 20 bucks out the door. It's not. The problem is if you family of five taking food is over a hundred bucks. It's so expensive. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, I put in your path that it's the decision making for me. That's what I hate. Like it's the like, so what are we, the real we thinking for lunch? I will hear from my spouse. It's like, I don't know. And why is it up to me? Right? See, I've started doing it all. I do the meal planning. I write what's for dinner. Yeah, but the meal planning helps because then it's up there. But I, when it's time to make chicken parm, I'm like, I don't want to. I want the kitchen fairy to come make it. I don't think for me it is even the planning. Like on Sunday, I sit down and plan the menu. But then every night I'm like, tonight we're having, you know, stir fry noodles with pork. I already marinated the pork. Like it's all done and I still don't want to do it. I don't like cooking. I feel you. I'm there with you. Like I don't draw joy from it. I don't mind it as much if I don't have to figure out what it is first. It's like tonight it's pork and noodles and here's the pork and here's the noodles. And all I have to do is pull the stuff out and make it. Yeah. Even the pulling stuff out annoys the heck out of me. And my husband does the dishes. He does all the cleaning afterwards. But I just I'm so irritated by it. And I find that on Tuesdays, which is pizza night, because one of my kids takes gymnastics. So he's like, it, the pickup is at a weird time. So rather than mess around with the dinner, we just pick up a pizza on the way home from gymnastics. I'm so all Tuesday. I have like four different moments where I'm like, oh, it's pizza night. Like I don't have to do anything. I'm trying to, my daughter's getting into cooking. I'm trying to lean in on that. Some of my kids will assemble stuff. 
Is it a weakness? Like, do you spend time feeling bad about it that you don't like cooking more? No, I just think it's my downfall. Is it a weakness other people can? Yeah, it's your downfall. I think it's my downfall in terms of like, even if I'm having a good day and I'm doing all right and things are going my way. Sometimes the chicken parm still ruins my day. Like sometimes just having to assemble. It's that 4.30. Oh, shit. Some bread, some chicken. I've tried everything. I get like a podcast I'm really looking forward to. Or I get like my Real Housewives show going while I'm... But I'm, I just don't like doing it. Yeah. And I know. Come at me. I could get it. Take out. I could this. I could that. There's no solution. It's just annoying. We know what makes it easier. Well, there are things that make it easier and we've talked about them. You can have the solutions that make it all easier and quicker and less annoying, but it's still annoying. Still annoying. I don't care how easy it is. If I have to assemble food, I'm in a bad mood. Vanessa says, so we went to our Facebook page and we asked you guys, what are your sort of Achilles heels, your weaknesses in spite of overall strength, which can lead to downfall? We know that you have overall strength. You're superheroes, but you've got an Achilles heel. And Vanessa, I identify with this one. She says, messy play in the house. I always hoped to be one of those parents who could encourage that stuff and be super relaxed. But instead, I end up an anxious, hovering wreck every time. I think she means like when like the slime comes out or the glitter glow. Yeah. Christina Martin, my sister-in-law, on her fresh take, we talked about this because she talked a lot about play and the role of like messy play and construction type play and how much that helps kids' brains, all of which is true. Her one suggestion for this was like, keep as much outside yeah. as you possibly can. Yeah. Harder for you. You're in an apartment in New York City. You'd have to like traipse them somewhere and have designated areas for it. And, you know, again, it's certain things set us off. Messy play does not bother me at all. I have come to a point in my life where my house is either bomb went off ransacked by robbers or clean. And there's no <laughs> in between. Like I don't clean until we get to full ransack. And then I just clean it all up. The entropy is just, it's immediately a mess again. Yeah. And I have a daughter right now who's into painting and her whole room is covered in paints. And I'm like, all right, I don't care. I don't care. The man, that mess does not bother me at all. Kristen says the noise after her kids get home from school peaks her anxiety hard. This is you too, isn't it? Bother you? Yeah. I did a question of the week. Somebody's like, I can't take the noise. And like, yeah, it's not you. Some people have a lower tolerance for ambient noise and how many different things going on. Like I have a hard time if like the dog is barking, somebody has music on, and one of my kids is singing like another song that isn't the song that we're listening to. And then somebody else is talking to me. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. one at a time. I do. I have a hard time with that. I'm aware of that. I do think that's kind of everyone. I mean, like we're not meant to live in this amount of like noise and chaos and and especially Oh, this was really hard during the pandemic. Like, I think I told this story already once, but like my daughter at some point was like, and I said, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I'm just making an annoying noise with my mouth. I said, yes, you are. We had a back to school night and one of the teachers, and it was kind of a funny thing to hear a back to school night. She said, she stood up and she was very serious. And she said, some of your children are hummers and I would like you to work with them on not humming so much during the day. Like you could just tell her nerves were fried from the humming. Oh, Yeah. And my kids, it's a lot of chair clicking and kicking their feet while they're sitting doing other stuff. And I've become the insane person. I'm like, who's making that noise? Who's making that noise? Who's kicking? Who's clicking? And I'm just like a crazy squirrel mom who's like <laughs> clearly on her last nerve. But the pandemic has not <laughs> helped with this phenomenon at all. It's made it. No, no. 
We'll be right back with more Achilles heels. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro aunt at this (laughs) point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. More and more you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7 essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. Amy, let's talk about Jen's Achilles heel, which is rushing to leave the house when we have to be somewhere at a certain time. I can't handle it for some reason. I always end up freaking out. Oh, Jen, I feel you because I am the one who has been ready for several minutes, like really ready. Like, yes, I have my mask in my hand and yes, I know I have my keys in my hand and yes, my shoes are on. Really ready. While, you know, somebody else is like, where's my phone? Where's this? Where's my shoes? Where's that? And like, we could have been ready to leave on time, but we're not. But you failed. (laughs) And now the person who is not ready is trying to offload their anxiety about it onto me, the one who is ready on time. I feel it. One of my kids has this Achilles heel. He is very attached to, but he doesn't really even care about being on time. But like once he knows we're going somewhere, he's ready to go. And so often I have to stop him from getting in the car like an hour before we are ready to leave. Like if we're like, okay, let's go to the beach today. I'm just starting to like find bathing suits and I'll be like, where is he? And I'll look out and he's sitting in the car right now. (laughs) He just like, he's unidirectional. Like, okay, if it's beach day, 
I'm ready. He like puts his shorts on, layers some sunscreen on, and he's like, let's do this thing. Wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's one of three. So then he has to wait for the other two to get it together. So now I'm just like, leave the doors open in the car if you get in because it's getting hot. So like, leave the doors open and it's fine. But he, he'll he just sit in there and wait. And he's not that impatient about it. Every once in a while, if it's like more than an hour, he'll come in and be like, where is everybody? But it's funny. That's his Achilles heel. My dad does that. He's done that for years. Like if we're supposed to go somewhere, I don't know, like you're supposed to leave for church and church is at noon, like at 1145, he's just going to go sit in the car and, and wait. And I think it's his way of dealing with that. I should have him conference call with my son. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to be in, he doesn't want to witness, I suppose, the part that I do. Like, where's my shoes? Where's my this? Like we were supposed to be ready and I am ready. So I'm going to go wait for everybody else to be ready or I don't have to witness the anxiety of not being ready. I think that's an interesting insight for me, for my guy, because I do think part of it is he doesn't like to be around the energy of like this. Where's this? Where's that? Yeah. Chaotic yeah. and anxious energy of leaving. And so he just goes out and sits in the car. He's figured it out for himself. Right. It's like, this is my thing. So I'm going to go sit out in the car. I think it's probably a pretty good idea. Christie's is not doing homework. I assume this means her kids not doing their homework, but oh. man, homework has been a huge Achilles heel. And I realize now that my kids are back in school, we had a full year with no homework because basically the kids were doing everything during the Zoom day. My kids did not get homework while they were doing Zoom school. Oh, mine did, but mine are older. Okay. So they were, my kids would stay for eighth period or whatever, 10th period, whatever the end of the day period was and sort of finish stuff up. And then they were, they didn't have homework. And I think also the schools are sort of like, give these kids a break, right? Like we quickly realized it was too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they've already been sitting in front of a screen for seven hours. That's right. So we had, we're just back to homework. And let me tell you, it's an icy bath <laughs> to jump back into. It's not pleasant. It's a lot of fighting. I have one guy who's a, a just a homework crier. It's tears every night over the homework. And I didn't miss it as it turned out. Yeah. My youngest likes to do her homework in the middle of the house so that she can ask you a question and then be annoyed by your answer. Whatever it is. Correct. Whatever it is. Right. Right. Wrong. Helpful. Not helpful. Well, that was a stupid thing to have said. Like, why don't you go to this upstairs? If everything I say is wrong, then you can absent yourself from me and go be by yourself. There, I have a solution for you. Go away. That desk that we bought for you. But no, she just wants to be there to just, just offset a little, like just little static shocks of electricity, just a little discharge. She can get back to the. Yeah, I will say too. my children have outpaced me. They're seventh and fifth grade. Fifth grade, I'm hanging in. But the seventh grade, I literally cannot do the math homework. Yeah. Luckily, my husband is an engineer and a mathematician. And so he can he do seventh grade math. Like, and I'm not kidding. Like, is he for sure? In fact, we had a really funny conversation at some point where, you know, it's like if seven X equals this and blah, blah, blah. And I said, does this just like come to you in your head when you look at it? Because it is so impossible to me. I don't understand a thing about it. And he just looked at me and he said, do you know what I do for a living. Like, that's what he does all day, basically. And it just really made me laugh because I was like, I think I don't, but I don't care and just go help the kids with their math homework. But yes, he's extremely, extremely good at math, apparently. But the problem with homework, too, is it's the wrong role. You know, like there's a we saw this during the pandemic. There's a reason we don't teach our kids. You know, yes, my husband is trying to explain a common denominator. And somehow my kid is hearing like, you're an idiot. He'll never amount to anything. It just doesn't gel the whole thing. You know, 
Thank you, Khan Academy. I mean, that explains a concept better than I could, even if I understood the concept. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that nice man on the other side. He just makes it sound so reasonable. Mm -hmm. Keep it simple. Yeah, it's extraordinarily difficult and fraught, and it's not my favorite, but... I mean, I'm doing a lot of it. Let me tell you, if you want to know anything about how the blood flows through the heart, Amy, this week, I'm your girl. Right atrium to the right ventricle, then out the pulmonary artery to the lungs, back through the pulmonary ventricles. Yeah, I learned that in 2020 uh, as well, that it goes, the blood goes from the heart to the lungs and then back into the heart and then out to the body. I was like, wow. I've got it. That left ventricle gives your blood a power push out of the aorta, Amy. <laughs> I mean, I got it. <laughs> Useless knowledge are us. Anna Lynn says whistling is her Achilles heel. To be fair, she says, it doesn't have to be my children whistling. It's just my downfall as a person. So I think she means if she hears, I don't know, like a a person on the street whistling. Anna Lynn, you're 100% correct. We don't have to do that. There's no reason that should be a thing. Let me tell you, if I ever commit a crime, I shouldn't say this because I'm giving it away. If the detective comes in and is like... I'm like, I did it. It's over. I killed him. Like, whatever. Like, (laughs) whistling is the worst, except for my husband commits the worst crime. I believe the worst crime imaginable. I'm married to a monster and a psychopath. And a mathematician. And a mathematician. He's good at helping with math homework. but But that's it. Now, listen to this, people. This is horrid. He sings along to songs in harmony. Like he sings a harmony track while singing along to songs. Is there anything worse a human being could do? Yeah, because I do that too. Oh, my daughter's like, mom, I literally have to go over and put my hands on his shoulders and be like, do you understand? It's like Andy Bernard from The Office. Oh, exactly. Like, I would rather you stab me in the eyeball than do that. I would genuinely prefer one of those things. (laughs) What kind of monster? It's my kryptonite. Does he whistle? No, no. I mean, he would be dead if he whistled. He understands that, like, there are rules. I feel like whistling's very 20th century. I feel like it was something I really devoted a lot of time to as a youngster to acquiring that skill, and I don't really use it. It's very, my sister has this, it's like you theater kids. It's a whole thing, the singing along with the radio. It's a lot of like, I'm singing along with the, like, you can't just like, you're not just singing along, you're performing a song and I didn't buy a ticket. Leave me alone. Yeah. One of my kids teachers once said to my son, you know what? You have a song in your heart at all times and I'd love for you to keep it there. (laughs) This was a belted outer. I want that on a (laughs) t-shirt so badly. I am cursed by being from a, my husband family are all choir singers. And then my family are all like show tune folk. And let me tell you, I don't ever want to be on a road trip with any of them. We're a lot of repressed. None of us have had enough opportunities to perform in the last 16 months. Yeah. Go get in the shower and knock yourself out, but keep it out of my universe. I don't want to hear it. I understand. No whistling either. Gretchen says repetition, mommy, 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 mommy. Another phrase that is really ruling my life right now, if you want to talk to me, come to the room I'm in. Because we have like an open floor plan house and I'll be in the kitchen already miserable because I'm making chicken parmesan (laughs) and I'm trying to listen to my nice podcast and relax. And then from four rooms away, I'm just like, it's like, mom, 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 mom. But it's, and I am constantly screaming, if you want to talk to me come into the room. I can hear it, but I can't hear it enough to know what they're saying. Yes. Yeah. I'm always like, come find me. (laughs) Come find me. If you need me. 
You reminds me of, yeah, you know where to find me. And then I still have a little bit of that instinct is like, is someone murdered? You know what I mean? Because there's still that edge of like, mom. And then I come running out expecting to find like some horrible, bloody scene. And it's like, this cord isn't working for my headphones. And I just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that rule that you've expressed, it's a good rule that if you... I want to discipline your kids. It's something about, I want you to give me the right wording, that if you really need to get something done, it requires getting off the couch, that you also can't discipline from downstairs. Like, stop hitting your brother. You can't. That doesn't work. That eventually you're going to have to get up, enter the space where they're in. Conversely, if they need your help with something or where's their shoe, then they need to come find you and not yell through the house. Correct. The phrase is saying no means standing up. So like you can't discipline kids from the couch, but you're exactly right. Like getting help means finding me. That's the flip side. Getting help means finding mom. That's right. (laughs) Sarah says putting on shoes and mittens is her Achilles heel. Like did all the bones just leave your body? Sarah says. (laughs) I have to say this is one of those blast from the past ones that I just think It's so nice to have kids who put on their own shoes and mittens. It's coming for you, Sarah. Let me speak to you from future times. Mm -hmm. When you, the first day that my kids suited up and went out into the snow without my help, a chorus of great hallelujahs rang throughout the universe. Like, not futzing with the... Keep your fingers spread out and like trying to put a glove on a small child is that's time out of purgatory right there. Like no one should have to ever do that. It's horrible. I was just going to say like, well, just get like the shoes with like the Velcro straps and like, yeah, but even those take 15 minutes also. It's just the tie shoes take 25. It's not that helpful in other words. Oh, yeah. My nine and 11 year olds do not know how to tie shoes. They will figure it out. You know what? They're going to figure it out at some point through a YouTube video when they're 14. It's fine. Have we talked about those stretchy shoelaces that you can use that you tie them and then they just stay tied? Oh, they're so great. Yes. I don't have time in my life for tie shoes. And so my kids don't know how to tie shoes. It may be bad for them at some point. Whistling and cursive handwriting. I feel like we've left in the 20th century. I'm not sure that those are things that anybody needs to know about anymore. Yeah, my son just got a note from his uh, religious ed teacher. Very lovely little note. (laughs) He picked it up and he goes, I can't read this. It was in cursive. Couldn't read it. I have a thought about these Achilles heels. It's occurring to me as we're talking about this, but I want to tell you what it is when we get back. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own, and today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. 
Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. And now, your guide to the lesser-known parenting styles. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. The Groundhog Mom. Sticks her head out every once in a while to check her kids are still alive, before immediately burying herself back in level 6,718 of Candy Crush. The NSA Mom. She's got passwords. All of them. She's monitoring her kids' texts from her laptop. She's got an app that pings her whenever inappropriate Snapchats come through. And for some reason, she even knows her 14-year-old's TikTok login. Air Traffic Controller Mom. Schedules her kids every moment to ensure a smooth flow from breakfast table to bus pickup to after-school activities all over town. The Godfather Mom. Sits in a back room. Waits for kids to approach her to ask her favors. If she says yes, you're going to owe her. The Rabid Squirrel Mom. Runs around in panic circles just trying to keep up and find some time for snacking. Signature phrase, has anyone seen my keys? This has been your guide to the lesser known parenting styles. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. So it occurs to me (laughs) that these Achilles heels, these weaknesses that we are expressing, we are also showing a remarkable lack of motivation to do anything about them, right? Like these aren't like, you're like, I hate fixing dinner. Like me too, I hate fixing dinner. But we, is there any sort of like, and we really should do something about that because we'll be in trouble if we don't fix it? Nope. This is my weakness and this is who I am. You can't fix your heel. I have a friend who interacts on Facebook in what I believe to be the funniest human way possible, which is that he only responds in two ways to any Facebook post. One of the options is, I'm sorry, this happened to you. And the other option is, this can't be fixed. And so whenever he come, people are like, oh, a bird flew in my window. And he's like, I'm sorry, this happened to you. And it's just a little <laughs> joke. He's clearly playing with himself that like, these are the only two options. But the phrase, this can't be fixed, has entered my life on a cellular level because... It's just an extremely useful phrase. This can't be fixed. I guess that's right. That's where I'm at with the shoe tying. Guess what? I'm going with Velcro. This can't be fixed. Me hating dinner. Yes, you can send me 8 million different meal kits and plans and ways and this will solve the problem. It can't be fixed. Yeah, I guess Achilles couldn't fix his heel. Just like, hope nobody shoots me right in the heel because there's nothing I can do about that. And then somebody did. Spoiler alert, guys, if you haven't read this story. And then somebody did. Yeah. Make sure you're wearing a shoe that covers your whole foot, like not a Tiva or something. You could get narrow in the heel. No, I think that's why. I think that's why they're Achilles heels. Tiffany says hers is the constant talking. (laughs) 
And I have two boys and then a girl, as does Amy. I don't know if you had the same experience, but my two boys are grump monsters. You know, like I could talk to them for an hour and they're like, <laughs> unless it's about, then they get on Roblox or Fortnite and they're talking for three hours. But I went away during the pandemic with just my daughters. For everybody's mental health, we decided we would get away with just us girls for a couple of days. Just a girl's time. Uh-huh. And about 24 to 36 hours into the trip, I turned to her and I was like, I love you, but I need you to stop talking so much. Mm. And it didn't really fix it. It can't be fixed. It can't be fixed. No, but it's quite annoying. It's quite annoying. Kelly says hers is the kids getting out of bed multiple times after bedtime. And I feel that one, too, because you are so like that is a hard stop. It's supposed to be a hard cap, people, right? We've called a lid. Isn't that what they say? Like in the White House press corps, they've called a lid. Correct. That's a lid. Nothing else is going to happen. Nothing else will happen today. Right. You are free to go back to your hotel rooms or wherever you live because nothing else will happen. We're shutting it down. I believe that a child's bedtime similarly should be a hard stop. Nothing else will happen until tomorrow. And this is your expectation, Kelly, and it is one you should have, actually. It's your house. But your kids have a new thing. Like, here's what happens after I get put to bed. Then I come out and then mommy says this and then I get put to bed, right? Now it's time for the floor show. Yeah, my kids are 12, 10, and 8. And I was a pretty stern bedtime monitor when they were young. Like I did the whole thing of you get to come out one time and that's it. And, you know, it was fairly effective. But now at 12, 10 and eight, like I'm going to bed almost before they do. And yeah, they're coming down to ask for stuff at 930 at night. And then it's <laughs> we got woken up today. We had a little chat about this, but woken up today by one of my kids walking into the room in underwear and just saying, I don't have socks and I don't have shorts. That was the first phrase I heard Good morning. of my day. <laughs> and I sat this kid down later and said, listen, this is not how we interact with humans in this house. Like, I do not want the first thing that anyone says to me is I do not have. But yeah, out of bed, not great. You know, my daughter used to sleepwalk and one time, and that was always hard because like it wasn't right away. Like it wasn't like five minutes after bed, 10 minutes after the bed. Like I've already watched two episodes of something on Netflix. Like I've already stayed up too late and I'm heading to bed and that's when they come out. Like that's a really hard one. Ooh. She came out and you could tell by the look on her face sometimes that she wasn't really awake. And she was like, my seat hurts. <laughs> we said, what? She's like, I broke my seat. And we were all sort of like, what do we do now? And we had to sort of get her back to bed. But those are so rough when they occur well after the lid has been called. Then there's, okay, there might be a time when something can happen, but like 90 minutes past bedtime, you are free till tomorrow. Yeah. That's my Achilles heel when they come out at that point. Like my tummy hurts. Vanessa's his kids barfing in the car seat. She correctly says she can't handle vomit. I think it was Margaret who said she has no problem with blood, but can't handle puke at all. Yep, that's me too. We have the divide. You don't like blood and I don't like puke. Yes, that's right. Not that either of us love the other one, but I could handle, I would a million times rather blood than puke. A million times. More. <laughs> Not that you get a choice. Yeah, don't want either, but I could be definitely be more neutral about one than the other. Ugh. Barfing in the car is just the worst. I will put it back up. Listen, this can't be fixed, but 
once your kid gets old enough, I will put a link up to the vomit sock that I get on Amazon. <laughs> it's like the kind that they give you in an actual doctor's office. Like a Christmas stocking, right? It's pretty big. It's a stocking, basically, with like a plastic rim. Yeah. And then you can shut it. It's a useful thing to have. And you could probably just Google it. I mean, barf bag for the car, basically. But because the other horrible thing, especially if you're driving by yourself, is like now you're in a car. It's the car is involved. And now you've got two hours to go. It's the worst. You're driving and you're like, get a bag, get a bag. And it's like, exit eight miles. <laughs> Get a bag. And this takes a long time. I'm telling you, I had eight, nine-year-olds who could not figure out like... Right. I know what's going to happen next. That feeling I feel is a bad feeling. I famously... I was a famous car barfer as a kid. And like nobody wanted to sit next to me. I'm sure my parents were ready to like leave me in the basket at the firehouse because I was just like... I still can't go 45 minutes in a car without barfing. I'm awful. I was always, you know, we would always go on these road trips and he'd be like, yay, let's have fun. And it was like, Meg barfed to ruin the whole thing. And then it was true. I ruined it. It was awful. Awful. Do you think being aware of your Achilles heel, like, do you think there's anything good that comes from that? Like, oh yeah, here's my thing. I really hate making dinner. Is that any comfort at all? Yes, I do actually really think so. And I think it can help with your spouse Uh, because you can divide things. Although really, now that I think about it, I think that I just voice stuff onto my husband because I'm like, (laughs) I have a lot of, I think I've come now in this new age to understand that like I have some sensory stuff that goes on, you know, that is really, I have, things have to be very specific and there are certain messes that I cannot abide. And we've talked about like food floating around the bottom. They're like food messes, not clothes messes. Yeah. Yeah. Food. Like I cannot ketchup on a plate is, I confess, like I can't be near it, you know? And it's funny because I'm fine with a lot of stuff, but I do find that I do let my husband handle. And I have said, I will not have a pet that I have to clean up after. Like, I, that's, that's not okay. My husband deals with the cat. I'm very precious with my, you know, I don't like gross things. I really have a low <laughs> grossness threshold. But now that I think about it, like, I mean, I guess my husband's Achilles heel is like remembering his sister's birthday. Like, that's what I do for him, you know, like, yeah, because I'm always like, if the cat kills a chipmunk, and it's half dead, like, I would rather burn the house down than deal with that. I can't, I can't <laughs> handle it. My husband deals with that, you know, even if he's got to come home from work, like I'm not dealing with that. But yeah, I mean, his Achilles heel is right, right. Being a functional member of society. I would have no trouble with like a bee or a spider or something like that. But uh, insects don't really bother me. Yeah. I'm kind of almost proud of that. Like when my kids are like, there's a spider. And like my kids who were taller than me are freaking out about a spider and like, like, dude, like. Who cares? It's no big deal. That's when I get to be cool, mom. Mom's got this one, bud. I so do not have an Achilles heel about this. It's fine. And spiders are welcome because it means they're taking care of the other things that could be around. But yeah, anything with fur, forget it. Yeah. Insects are not definitely not my Achilles heel. But let me tell you, ketchup. Like if you threatened to put ketchup on the back of my hand, I would give you my house. <laughs> like I, I really, I cannot handle gross things. Okay. Ketchup on a plate is your Achilles heel. Our original definition was it's surrounded by strength. It's a spot of weakness against overall strength. I think you're a great mom, for sure. What is your sort of surrounding strength of which the ketchup plate is just a a little small thing? Like, what is the much bigger thing you do really well? I mean, I do think, and this is something that I feel like you actually helped me identify about myself, that my greatest strength is idea (laughs) canon. Like, I'm always like, you know what would be fun? 
you know, I'm always bringing the energy that's like, what's next? What would be cool? What would be fun? Let's get an RV. I know. Let's put a slip and slide in the backyard and da 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 da. Let's go. A pandemic. Okay. But that's all right. Let's set up a pickleball net in the driveway and we can play all stuff. Like, that is a strength of mine. It's like finding fun plans, but it is, and possibly this is a whole other topic, but like, is it a yin yang? that the flip side of my fun strength is a complete weakness for any kind of drudgery. Like, I don't want to do the dishes. I don't want to make dinner. You know what I mean? Like, I hadn't really thought about it, but I feel like non-fun things are my kryptonite. And unfortunately, 90% of raising (laughs) kids is not that fun. You're right. It's the Achilles heel. Like, yeah, my superpower is definitely like my organization, my knowing where everything is, my getting 100 things done, my being on top of everything. And then my Achilles heel is like any sign of chaos around me. I read as chaos stuff that you would just read is like, that's what it's like to have three kids, right? It's going to be a mess sometimes. Like, but it can't be a mess because then I'll forget something. Right. Like, of course, there's a wet bathing suit. They went to the pool. Right. I, it's so interesting. We started this as like a fun, funny topic, which it hopefully has been. But I think that that's an interesting insight that I've picked up while we're talking about it is this idea of like, my superpower is making things fun. My Achilles heel is <laughs> things that are not fun, you know? And I think that that's probably true for a lot of people. And it's something to keep in mind that, you know, and like you said, I'm the person at the party drinking the beer while other people watch my kids. Like mm-hmm. I choose fun generally, but being aware that like that means other people are doing things that are less fun maybe is a worthwhile endeavor and realizing that like not every day can be fun. I mean, this can't be fixed, Amy, but that might help a little bit. <laughs> it can't be fixed. Right. I think that's it. It does help me when I'm like, this is my thing. It's okay. It's a thing. I do think it helps you get more help from other people. And you're like, this is a thing. I just like, I know. Ketchup on plates. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's just a thing that I have. Right. And when you can sort of make it, uh, I don't know, like just sort of fess up to like, I'm not good at everything. And this is something I'm not good at. It makes people sort of give you more leeway around it. I think even your kids. And I think also being honest about it for yourself and other people so that when your spouse is like, relax, it's fine to say, I actually am mm-hmm. not going to and I can't. So like, stand up for 10 minutes and help me clean up because I have lived a quite a while on this earth. And I realized that like, just relaxing is not an option for me, you know? Yeah. And for me, like, where is my scale of making fun and doing drudgery getting off? And then I have found in the last like three weeks that I'm, it's getting really hot, which makes, we don't have good air conditioning in the house. As per usual, it's 50 degrees to 90 degrees. And like, what happened, right? Yes. So it's been 90 degrees. And then I'm sitting there making boiling (laughs) chicken parm, putting it in the oil. And by the time it's dinner time, I'm so grouchy and just screaming at everyone. And like, why are you in the kitchen? And my husband, why do you have to be in here right now? And that that might be a time to say, like, let's scale the meals. In fact, I said to my husband after dinner last night, for summer, I have to think about like what we can eat that is real scaled down. And it may be hamburgers three nights a week. It may be hot dogs two nights a week, taking pizza. And then the other night is yo-yo, figure it out yourself. But <laughs> it does maybe help fix the problem of like, I know the drudgery of running this house is my Achilles heel. So how can I make it a little bit less onerous, even though I understand that it will not be fixed? Bring a little more fun into the drudgery, bring a little more organization into the chaos, and it can't be fixed. Yeah. Solved it. Yeah, solved it. Friends, like Dr. Kendra and her insights on giant baby heads, 
What we learned is how important it is, really, not the size of your baby's head, but how important <laughs> it is to tell other people about the What Fresh Hell podcast. That's what I took away from her letter, Amy. Right. The development over time of your evangelization about the What Fresh Hell podcast. So do us a favor and tell a friend, rate and review the podcast, and post about it on your social media. And in all these ways, you will tell other people to come find us and join us because we're having a lot of fun here talking about Achilles heels. It really does help every time you do it. So thanks for already doing it and please keep doing it. Thanks for listening, guys. Great talking to you. Bye. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was... Steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.